How do I sound cool? Okay, gotta make sure I'm Okay, cool. <laughs> now I'm gonna do it, and it's gonna be great. Okay. Uh, harness your chi and put it into your larynx. <laughs> oh God! And it would still be better than what Finn yeah. Jones did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's just recut the movie with me harnessing my chi and my voice. Okay. Now we're getting started. Yeah. Hi. Oh wait, it's super weird that he glowed yellow. Yes. Right? Yes. Like that's. I didn't even think about that. All I thought about was what was like, wow, this will be an awesome flashlight. Couldn't have chosen a different color. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah. I, I get it, it's comics again, whatever. Like. But, uh, there was also a lot of awful stereotypes in Luke Cage that could have been justified with comics. They did not do it. They did, that's, someone, uh, someone used that argument. Okay, I'm saving for the show. Yeah. <laughs> This is what happens when you love things too much. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to a crossover event. Between Spectacular. <laughs> Spectacular. <laughs> In the spirit of all thing com- of all things comics and comic book TV shows, uh, I am Kate from But Why Though the podcast, and I am here with Jr. from the Storyman. Woohoo! This is a, this is really exciting. Like I feel like we really channeled the the essence of comic geekness in doing this event. Oh yeah, totally. I, I think it was necessary. It was also necessary, let's be honest, because between our two shows, we have four co-hosts who are not (laughs) present, and none of them were willing to endure the suffering that you and I endured in binging all of season one of Iron Fist in less than a week. Yep. And I'm slightly salty about that. No, not slightly. Like, I'm just, like, massive amounts of, like, the Dead Sea. Like, that is what I'm feeling (laughs) right now. Because none of them were like, we're going to go watch it. And with you, I mean, I did have one co-host who was like, I watched episode one. The fighting looked like they just rehearsed it. I'll talk about that later. And didn't watch anything else. So. Yeah, I actually, uh, I was so down on it that my co-host Clay decided not to watch the show at all oh, and gosh. my other co-host matt who who usually races me through these shows was like eh i don't know i've got a busy week yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i the one thing i will say um my uh, my co-host tom i told him how how i felt about the fight scenes and he actually really loves martial arts movies he was like i was like so can you watch this because i don't know if it's just me being like hypercritical <laughs> of this because i hate everything um, can you just watch this? He's like, yeah, I'll get to it. I, I can tell when actors are doing that. Still has not watched it. Putting you oh. on blast, Tom. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> well, so if you haven't figured out yet, we are discussing a season one of Marvel's Iron Fist. And this is Can we just say the, Netflix's Iron Fist? I mean, sure, but on Facebook, if you try to tag it, it's Marvel's Iron Fist. I know. Fist. I know. That hurts down It deep. hurts me. Well, it is on Netflix. It is the fourth uh, it's technically the fifth set of 13 episodes, but it's the fourth first season uh, leading up to The Defender. So we've had Daredevil, which we got a second season of. Uh, we've had Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. And this was the this was the final 
piece of the Defenders puzzle before the eight-episode Defenders uh, mini-series that's going to be premiering on Netflix later this year, allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, they haven't announced a premiere date yet. It just says 2017. Yeah, this is true. This is very true. So so I'm curious, uh, since we both love comics, like when did you first meet Danny Rand? Um, I met Danny Rand by picking up one of my cousin's comics because he was super, he was really into Bruce Lee. Um, I in turn was also really into Bruce Lee. And so like, um, as we'll get into like Danny Rand, like a little bit about him and stuff, he really embodies like the David Carradine, like guy learning martial arts type thing. And so I was also really into those movies. And so I was like, oh, cool, martial arts. And I remember kind of liking him. And then it kind of fell away. Um, and I didn't really, I guess, get back into Iron Fist. And I, I, I pretty much did my own retcon. I went through and, like, retroactively read a crap ton of Iron Fist stuff just because of uh, how good Luke Cage was for net, Like, that that Netflix show was. And I was like, yeah. oh, wait, I know that they're BFFs. Let me brush up on all my Iron Fist history. <laughs> um, nice. So did you go back to like the 70s when he premiered? I read a few. I, so I read um, I read a digital issue of I think like the first five. And it is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It is so like it hurts me very Wait, much. But is it as bad as season one of Netflix? <laughs> no. Ooh. Because <laughs> at wow. least in the 70s. They didn't have any other, like, tools in their toolkit to talk about these things. Nice. So it was just, like, <laughs> 70s bad. It was 70s bad because okay. in the same, I mean, and I was on Story I'm going to talk about Luke Cage, and we talked about that coming out of black exploitation history. This very much comes out of the, like, the cheesy martial arts white guy going to learn them and then saving the day thing that is happening in the 70s. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of really embodies that, and... It, I mean, if you embrace the cheese of where it was from, totally cool and kind of a fun read. Also, I went back and watched all of the um, amazing Spider-Man episodes because Iron Fist and Luke Cage are an amazing fi- Spider-Man. So, oh, nice. I did not know that. That was fun. Yes. Very Ooh. different portrayal. Um, <laughs> but at this point, I think anything would be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I started, I started seriously reading comics kind of. Uh, after I graduated from college, mm-hmm. and I got into a lot of Brian Michael Bendis' stuff, his Avengers and New Avengers runs. That was that was sort of my serious foray into Marvel that wasn't Spider-Man. Yeah. And uh, so I I met Danny kind of on the New Avengers team as, as you said, Luke Cage's BFF. And that's a great and, time to meet him. Oh, like, b- they were so great. I mean, that was what made me love both of those characters – uh, and it, it's sort of one of those things like when you when you are friends with someone who is awesome and they say, hey, I want you to meet this person, you're going to like them. Like, you know, that person's going to be great because their friend, this person that you have in such high esteem also holds them in high esteem. It's that yeah. sort of thing. Like, I liked Luke and Danny each so much. And I think part of that was because of how much they liked each other, if that makes sense. No, I think it definitely makes sense because you kind of fall into the bromance with them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so, so I, uh, I was fortunate to come to Danny way after the problematic origins, uh, when he was just like a Kung Fu guy who had some, like a little bit of magic power from a dragon. Yeah. 
you know, but it was like, it was basically like most of the Marvel heroes are now, right? Like they already have their powers. Oh yeah, so exactly. If, you if didn't have, have to deal with the, the origin. <laughs> right, if you don't want to, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but that makes, that makes these, and, and Doctor Strange had a lot of the same problems. Exactly. Uh, because again, I love Doctor Strange. He's one of my, I, I collect his comic right now. Jason Aaron is, is writing, it's awesome. But, you know, it's, it's, we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but it's essentially if a white guy wants to get magical powers, where does he go? Asia. To the Middle East. Yeah. Or, yeah, to Asia. Sorry, to the Far East. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's essentially, that was, that was Danny's thing. And, and there was a lot of conversation. There was a lot of uh, nervous anticipation about how, because this was the fourth, uh, Defenders show Marvel was doing about yeah. how that was going to be handled. And I don't know, like, I, I guess, because we keep dancing around it, like, what were your expectations for the show? I defended this show to the death. So I, so I'm a woman of color. So a lot of the time I, I feel the need to speak out about whitewashing and representation. Cause I think it's very important, especially for somebody who is in who is very much in a genre of things that doesn't really represent my, you know, my identity. Um, but when it came to Iron Fist, I was like, you know, the source material is a white guy. I, I mean, it, it absolutely sucks that they didn't take advantage of this. But if Jessica Jones showed us anything, it's that you can deal with problematic issues. I mean, that entire show is about trauma and rape survival. And Netflix nailed it. Yeah. Um, and then Luke Cage all of that can't had, I mean, Mama. There's a reason Mama Mabel, like, is not extensively in you know the comics and Mariah. And when she's called Black Mariah, she flips out because they're tackling the stereotypes and the things that were very much ingrained in the '70s Luke Cage, and they're barreling through them. And a lot of that has to do is they put the writing and the directing in the hands of black voices. And that's important because they know how to handle, you know, it, they have a better sense of where to bring these things. So that being said, um, also, I really like the way like Daredevil uses Catholic stuff, but that's kind of like, I think the other two are great points for Iron Fist specifically because they unpack like these super large problems and kind of just do it well. Um, so yeah, I, I defend, you're... yeah, I defended it. I was like, you know what? It sucks we get another white guy with privilege. But guess what? Netflix can investigate the hell out of it. And that's what Netflix and Finn Jones were saying. was like, we're going to investigate these stereotypes. And we're self-aware of what we're doing. And I, I, thought, <laughs> I have a blog on our website about this. And then things didn't happen. But I had very high hopes. I, I really def- I re- I defended it to everybody I talked to. Um, cause they were worried about it. What about you? I, I was, I honestly remained worried about it. Um, okay. especially once they announced Finn Jones. Um, yeah, I thought he was fine in game of Thrones. Uh, he's Sir Loras in game of Thrones. He's good and, at standing there and looking pretty. Yeah. But that was the problem, right? Like Sir Loras doesn't really have a lot to do in game of Thrones. So it, it yeah. was entirely possible that a really great actor was sort of hiding in there and you just would never know. Turns out that was not the case. Um, but but just the f- I, I was really hoping that they would cast uh, an Asian person as yeah. Danny Rand. Uh, and I'm one of those. I mean, you know, they they did the reverse of that in Iron Man three with the uh, with the Mandarin, the Mandarin. And I thought that was amazing. 
Yeah. Like, I just loved what, I loved how they subverted, because if you don't know, in Iron Man's comics, the Mandarin is, like, every possible oriental it's, stereotype you can yeah. imagine. Like, the stacked Chiman on top Fu, of each other. like, yeah. stereotype on top of, like, the ancient <laughs> Kung Fu master, on top of, like, the, mis- yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they completely subverted that in a way that I just thought was brilliant. Like, brilliant. Yeah. And so, again, I knew that somewhere around Marvel, someone had to be aware that this was problematic. Um, I, you know, I I thought that there was probably not a good way to handle the Ancient One in Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, um, that was, and, yeah. And again, if you're, if you're not aware of that controversy, just in brief, um, in the comics, the Ancient One is Tibetan, and so you get all of the Orientalist stereotypes going along with that, but... Because now, if you want a movie to be successful, it has to it has to sell in China and China and Tibet. If you don't know that China and Tibet have a bad history, Google that because um, that's more than will fit into this podcast, and you should know about it. Um, but I knew that they were going to make him Tibetan. You know, I just like I knew that because they want this film to sell in China, yeah. and China would like straight up not show the film. Um, so, so I was like, are they going to make him Chinese? Oh, they're just going to make him a white Irish woman. Okay. Um, uh, again, I don't know that there was like a good way to do that. And I don't know that they chose the best bad way. Yeah. But whatever. Like that, you know. So I just, I was, I was worried. And I remained worried when the first trailer dropped. It was like, I, I was ready to be excited. Because of, mm-hmm. of the Defenders going into the shows, Danny was the one that I was the most excited ah. about, like, previously. Like, I like him better than Daredevil, like him better than Luke Cage, like him better than Jessica Jones. And I loved all three of their shows. Like, loved yeah. them so hard. So I was just, I was ready, and I watched the first trailer, and I was like, uh... Yeah. What was, what? Like, I'm that was super boring. Yeah. No, I, I really feel you there. Um, I, I think, too... <sighs> I mean, I'm just going to be completely candid here. I mean, I think there comes a point where fighting, I mean, and, and it's, it's bad to say, but like fighting the representation battle sucks because it's always uphill and it's always saying things. But I think, I think the important thing too, is if you find yourself on the other end is to understand that like the other side, like you were saying, like some of these things can't be handled great. And the other thing is to realize that one of the main reasons people were upset about him not being casted. And now I'm like retroactively, I'm upset that they didn't cast an Asian American. But um, a very specific Asian American. But right? yeah, a very, very specific <laughs> Asian American who they did cast, just not as Danny Rand. Well, and, um, and with the casting decision, for me, Danny's whiteness is not essential to his character. Um, I, okay. I can see that, but I think how, okay, this just comes from my own bias. I wanted them to explore ideas of privilege. Sure. Oh, yeah. So, and, I mean, and so that's, had- yeah. So if they had done that, I think his whiteness would have been perfect. Um, and that's what I was hoping they were going to do, especially in the climate that we're in right now. I thought that this was a perfect opportunity to do that. At the same time, I also, but I also understood that, Having strong Asian men in popular culture is very rare. Um, And having any representation in popular culture is very rare. So when you have a role that lends itself to an Asian character and then you you very um, strategically cast a white actor instead of that... um, which, I mean, we'll get into it later, but, like, on merit... You know, I'm using bunny ears, (laughs) merit-based things. um, It can kind of fall apart. 
Um, and, and so I think the important thing, at least for me, when I came into this and I did it in my blog too, like I really made sure to say, no, this is very valid. There are very few representations out there that we can see ourselves. I'm not, we as in I'm Asian, I'm not, but like that people of color can see themselves in. So to shy away from rewriting the narrative to do that, it, it's, it, it's, it really sucks. But at the same time, I was hoping with Danny Rand, because he is, he's, he's the definition of privilege. He's a cisgender, heterosexual, yeah. rich man, white man. Um, there, and there are a lot of times in the show where this, where it really could have been explored. And I'm thinking particularly to, um, for the, the first part where he meets, um, Jessica Henwick's character, Colleen Wing, and he automatically starts talking to her in Mandarin. This might've just me being, it, this might've just been me being very hypersensitive, but I'm like, one, you're in New York. Two, she's young, so everything pretty much signifies that she's either, um, you know, that that she's more than likely going to speak English. Um, three, she's hanging up posters for her dojo. Dojo is a, da- a Japanese concept, <laughs> and she's teaching Bushido, which is also a Japanese concept. And he talks to her in Mandarin, and he looks at the flyer. And so it's kind of like that to me because Finn Jones just has a hard time delivering lines came off really bad. Um, but I also, so when it first happens, I'm like, Oh my God, they're going to explore this. Maybe she's going to do something. And she just kind of says, switch to Japanese or English. Cause I haven't spoken that since I was a kid and just totally like skated past that microaggression. And I'm like, no, they wouldn't do this in your other shows. Why are you doing it here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was specifically calling attention to her Asian-ness, mm-hmm. right? Um, yep. In a way that was not really necessary. Not at all. He could have just been like, hey, that's cool. I also do martial arts, specifically kung fu. And he didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, and they, they did in several other places make a point to, like, because I, I think kung fu often stands in as a, it's like the Kleenex of martial arts. Yes. Right? <laughs> and, and so they made several points to, to, to specify, oh, you're doing this. What if you did Kung Fu? Or, oh, hey, I can teach yeah. that or I can teach. Right? So, I mean, there, I don't know. Yeah. There were, yeah. Some, there were some missed opportunities. Yeah, no, I sure. completely agree. Um, so before we get too down on the show, uh, what, what if we start with the, the things we really thought the show did well? Okay. What are I, some of the what were some of your bright spots? So I I think that so I have three, but I'm just gonna say one for now because I'm pretty sure we'll over oh, will overlap. Um, and I'm <laughs> di- I'm gonna do one that we may not overlap on is um, I actually thought Ward Meacham was probably the most developed character out of the entire season. Yeah. Um, I, okay. Because, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you hate him, but you know why you hate him. You also feel bad for him because you realize that he's just not like this big bully because he likes hurting people. He's doing this because of his father. He has daddy issues. And he's the one character where you really get to go in depth and explore these issues. And you get to grow with him. And even at the end where he, like, his sister has like, the wait, we're not doing spoilers, right? Or like uh, light spoilers, light spoilers, spoiler light. Uh, I don't know if it counts. No spoilers, I, but your call. Make no. a call right now, and then we'll go with it. I think I, 
I, I honestly, people would, I, I genuinely think that people would listen to it so that they wouldn't have to watch the uh, okay, show. Okay, so we're spoiling it. You're welcome. <laughs> like, mostly because all the articles I've seen have been like, I watched Iron Fist so you don't have to. And given that our very pop culture-y co-hosts have not watched the show, um, Fair I might statement. take that. Spoil yeah. away. Yeah, okay. So, and it might not even be a big spoiler. I'm just, like, hyper, like, I don't want to ruin anything for anybody. But, um, yeah, so Joy Meacham, his sister, is probably one of the worst characters ever made. Um, And she's very pro-Danny, and then she switches to anti-Danny. And Ward is kind of like, he's not anti-Danny, he's pro-Meacham. He's going to do what is best for him and his family the entire time. And even in the end, when he teams up with Danny, he's very assertive that this isn't for you this is for my sister and me because you know our father will possibly murder us um and so i think like he was a whole character through and through um so i I thought he was absolutely one of the brightest bright spots in the show for me yeah i'd agree with that i thought his uh his mental breakdown was really effective yes um, and, and it was, again, it was stretched out over a couple of episodes. So, um, yeah, you just kind of saw him unable to say no to his father and like living under the weight of the secret of his real life. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought it was great. Like by the end of the show, I was surprised how much I enjoyed him. Yeah, I was too. And I hadn't really thought about it until my partner, Matt, actually brought it up. And he was like, Ward was pretty cool. And then I was like, wait, he was. But at that point, I was already like upset with everything in the show. And I was like, burn it to the ground. (laughs) And now I can be reflect. I I, I can reflect on it and find the happy spots. Uh, Well, since we're talking about characters we enjoyed, let's just also go ahead and get Madame Gao out of the way. Mm hmm. Um, she was awesome. She was awesome in Daredevil, right? It was Daredevil season two that she was in, right? Um, was she in season one also? I believe she was was in season one. Yeah, Yeah. she was in both seasons, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so she's been excellent. She continues to be excellent. I, this is the exact kind of villain that I love, who is so much smarter than your hero that you're not sure they're actually the villain. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's possible that your hero just doesn't know enough about what's going on to know which side he or she is supposed to be on. Exactly. Particularly at the end of the, like, in the last several episodes of the series, uh, when she is just, she just, like, has no respect for Danny at all (laughs) and is talking so far down to him. Yes. Um, And it was just amazing. It was Like, she's not afraid. She's Mm -hmm. completely un... un, And I love that she just keeps throwing out things like, oh, in the 1700s, I was tortured for... I was tortured for most of that century. That was probably one of my favorite scenes with her because she, like, fakes it entirely and then is like, that was nothing. You really thought that was working? I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, she's just great, man. Like she commands the screen in a way that you just want your villain to. That you know? was, that was just what I was thinking because she's like maybe five feet tall, maybe a little yeah. taller, but she's always paired with these giant bodyguards and she's an old woman and you just like, she's totally unassuming. And then the moment she starts acting or even like, I'm not even speaking, but just interacting with the scene around her, you're like, all your eyes go to her. Yeah. Um, I, I assume she's going to be the big bad in the Defenders. 
I would hope so. I just want to see more of her. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Very interested in her. Um, and honestly, I, I also really, in, for the most part, I, I thought Harold was a pretty fun character. I'm with you until like the last few episodes because I think his where Ward's mental break is a slow burn and you really get to experience it. Harold's is very much like going down a 90 degree angle. Um, are you are you so so you didn't you you for me it was enough when he came back from the dead and, and they were like, oh, yeah, every time they come back, it's worse. But I'm like, and he the- only died one more time. Because the example that they use is a guy who routinely died on the battlefield, and then he has that break. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I didn't mind it, and I thought (laughs) poor Kyle biting it was... uh, That that saves this, like, yeah, no. Kyle Kyle is, um, I'm sorry, Ward and Madam Gao, but Kyle is, Kyle is there. (laughs) Rest in peace, Kyle. You just want a vanilla ice cream. Um, Uh. And well, if you're and- gonna, there are like two scenes you need to watch from Iron Fist listeners, um, and just Google uh, Kyle Ice Cream Scoop on YouTube. Uh, Kyle Ice Cream Scoop, and it'll pop up his scene, and you'll totally get why we're. Uh, yeah. Well, and so so honestly, the reason I guess the reason I liked that so much is because very shortly after that, they give us finally Harold and Joy's reunion. And mm. it's exactly what you'd expect from Joy. And for me, I just Not knowing anything. Ter- <laughs> well, yeah, and I was terribly uncomfortable in that scene because I knew yeah. that he could snap at any second. And and then he, he does, but not he doesn't quite go full Kyle. Um, yeah. I mean, I can so see that. I found that really harrowing. Um, now, again, Joy sort of cashed in all of the good good credit she had with me for no good reason by just going like full crazy. Yeah. But um yeah, that first scene with with Harold and Joy was really tense for me in a way that nearly nothing else in the entire series did. I can give you <laughs> so. Yeah, no no, I can definitely give you that. Like they definitely did create like this really tense atmosphere. I think for me though just because uh just I her character is so naive and clueless and like just there. That I like, I like. She kind of ruined scenes, scenes sure. for me. Um, but that 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 was one of the good scenes where you can actually see her like thinking through this, and then she has the whole like, "But you didn't tell me, Danny." I was like, "Really? Are we gonna go there?" He like just explained to you why nobody told you anything, and you're so. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. Um, that I, I can give you Harold. Um, I think I should also <laughs> mention Colleen Wing. Um, yes. Who has like the only good fight scenes? On uh, the show. Except for the one. Except for the one. Except for the one. Um, no, she was great. She was super great. Yeah, she she was really well. She was really good, and um, she uh, the only thing like she's not unproblematic. I really hated that pretty much her whole development story was latched onto Danny so much because we don't find out more about her or like. Her orphanhood and, you know, she just all of a sudden stops fighting for money. And, like, I I think, like, they had a lot to do, but they couldn't do it because they were tying her in so closely to Danny. That being said, what uh, Jessica Henwick does deliver in that character is really, really well done. 
Um, yeah. And the sword, like the fight scenes with the swords, like all of her sword work is really good. Um, yeah, I was super annoyed at the, at the revelation that she was hand, but that was not annoyance at the actress. That was annoyance at the god awful writing on the show. Yeah. We started a romance. Uh oh, <laughs> double agent. Um, yeah. So I think probably my last, uh, my last really good bright spot was the one that we've been dancing around a lot, <laughs> yes. uh, pun intended, and that was the one amazing fight scene involving Finn Jones in episode eight. And it's funny because I posted on Facebook at the beginning of episode eight. Um, I made episodes in the writing on this show is embarrassing. Like episode eight is particularly bad. And at the end of episode eight, I got this amazing drunken boxing fight sequence. Oh, it was so and good. I've literally told people don't watch this show. And now you've, you've corrected it, right? I was saying, don't watch the show. You only need to watch this one scene. Well, it's two scenes, yeah. the drunken <laughs> boxing scene and Kyle, the ice cream, ice cream scoop scene. Yeah. But uh, yeah, tell me, tell me, un- unpack the scene for me. Cause you also loved it. Yeah, no, I loved this scene um, for two reasons. So this is one of the scenes where you very much know that Finn Jones is actually not fighting in it um, because he pulls his hood up right away. And I actually paused. So I didn't pause the scene, but um, we have, like, I'm pretty sure Spectrum's throttling us. And so, like, the scene just stopped to buffer. And there's a flip kick that he does, and his face is completely blurred. Like, not because my resolution was bad because it was buffering, but because the editor was like, oh, no, you might see your actual stunt devil blur the face underneath the hood. Um, So that's one of the reasons why it was really good. Um, But the other reason it was really good. um, So Zhao Chang is um, I'm kind of sad that he just got wailed on at the end because it was actually a really big character in the Iron Fist universe. Yeah. And it didn't Um, make any sense. It was like he just sort of quit fighting. Yeah, he just stopped. It's like, uh-oh, no, we have to let Iron Fist win. <laughs> like, he took one hit, and that was it, and it wasn't even with the glowing fist. Um, and I think, so, uh, the actor of Zhao Chang is um, uh, Louis Tan, and Louis Tan, actually, he fights for a living, like, not professionally, but, like, acting-wise. Like, he, he's an actor. He's been in a, lot of sh- uh, in a lot of shows. He's also done stunt double work. So he knows what it takes to put into a fight scene. The reason that this scene really stands out to me, not only for just being a beautiful scene and be- beautiful fight choreography, is the fact that Louis Tan was almost Danny Rand. That, um, uh, uh, and- so what you're saying, wait, just so we're clear, listeners... What Kate is suggesting is that uh, if you need further proof, we live in the darkest timeline. <laughs> there is another timeline where we got Iron Fist season one starring this amazing Why do you have artist. to break my heart like that? I didn't think about it like that. Somebody else has Louis Tan. <laughs> this is the oh, darkest timeline. Oh, gosh. It is. Because when you, when you watch, and it's in episode eight, it's, it's, towards, it's towards the end. It's just. Because he delivers lines throughout the entire fight, too. And the lines are just so good. And there's this one line telling Danny, you fight like a child throwing a tantrum. And when I went back after rewatching the series, I'm like, oh, wait, he actually does. That was that was a valid critique, Joe Chang. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Louis Tan actually got – he auditioned for Danny – he read for Danny multiple times, and it actually got to the scheduling part where they were working out when he could come in and film. And then all of a sudden, they just say, oh, no, we're actually going to cast Finn Jones from Game of Thrones, um, but you can read for a villain part. 
And it ends up being a villain who's only in, like, one of the longest fight sequences, and that's it. Um, so that just makes me really sad. I thought it was new news, but it is not new news. Apparently, this is this was also one of the reasons why people were really upset with Marvel and their casting Finn Jones, um, was because it had been known that this was happening. Um, and wow. another reason why this is the best fight scene is because there's no Finn Jones um, is because... Finn Jones did an interview in London, and he kind of told everybody that he only had 15 to 20 minutes to prepare before fight scenes. That Um, is just mind-boggling to me. For a kung fu superhero show. Well, and again, like, if, if we didn't have any other Netflix series to compare this to, fine. But we have Daredevil. Yeah. Which had incredible fight choreography. Yes. Like, after the end of that hallway fight sequence in the end of uh, season one, episode two, the entire internet was talking about it. Yes. Saying, oh my gosh, this like raises the bar for all television everywhere. Yep. And then they top it in season two, which was one of the season, because season two is usually ragged on. One of the, one of the best fight scenes in season two is the fight scene in the stairwell, which does another continuous Mm -hmm. take. Mm -hmm. And I think the only, the rebuttal to that, that I got was, well, he was in a mask and it was mostly a stunt double doing fight scenes. There, but for that continuous take in the hallway, it was Charlie Cox for most yeah. of the time because Charlie Cox devoted everything he had into being able to pull off the physical parts of the role. And again, um, that's that's not just Finn Jones's part uh, fault. That's a yeah. showrunner decision. That's a fight choreographer decision. That's a scheduling decision. I mean, that's there's a well, lot. This that goes, goes into this, this goes even deeper too because actually the fight choreographers didn't have that much notice to actually plan the fights out either. Like, this is all showrunner, like, stuff. Probably Netflix, too, right? Pushing yeah. for a schedule that is maybe unrealistic. And that that was something, too, that my partner pointed out, because he loved the Daredevil series. He was like, oh, we get a Daredevil every March. And I was like, no, they're doing Iron Fist instead. And he was like, how did, he, how did they fit that in scheduling-wise? Like, Iron Fist was, a, like, pretty much in a dream for the most part. And then they kind of pushed it all the way through to meet. I'm, I'm guessing that I, and this is me like speculating, but guessing uh, to meet Luke Cage hype and to prep for the defenders and the, the whole show from writing um, to fight scenes. I mean, my biggest problem with the show is that everything was underdeveloped um, cause it wasn't bad. It was underdeveloped and boring. Yeah. Um, it felt really rushed. It felt like you had somebody gave them a pen for like 20 minutes. Okay, write out this character's arc. Okay, let's do the next one. Okay, let's do the next one. And that's how it felt to me. I mean, I don't know about how you felt, but... Oh, I mean, for me, the writing was the biggest problem. Three episodes in, I didn't know what Danny Rand wanted. And 13 episodes in, I didn't well, yeah, know what I Danny mean, right, Rand yeah, wanted. But, but I, guess, I guess three episodes in, I thought, oh, this, this, is, this is a huge steaming turd. Because like script writing 101 is it, everything has to be character driven. Yeah. And he was he was the most boring, inarticulate, uninteresting character. I, I didn't hate him. I just literally didn't care about him. Yeah. And I couldn't tell you two things about him. Yep. About his character, right? Like, yeah, I know yeah. he is allegedly knows martial arts. Alle- allegedly. 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 Um, and that's it. Like, that's basically it, you know? Um, yeah. And they could have done so many interesting things, as you've stated, uh, with with his character, with the whole idea of like, yeah, maybe it's actually really hard to prove your identity. Yeah. You know, if uh, if everyone you know is dead and there's a mega corporation that's 
has vested interest in keeping you dead. You know, I mean, so there was so much potential and they just, they just didn't know what to do with it. Uh, the dialogue was abominable. Abominable. It's so bad. Abominable. Even Claire Temple's dialogue, other than her saying Sweet Christmas, I really hated hearing her talk, and I love Claire Temple. I love yeah, her. Yeah, that character but should be great. But it was so forced. And I'm just like, so, this, and yeah, go ahead. I don't know. No, um, I just, that's it. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have anything <laughs> added. I just, from start to, there's a meme going around. I've seen it several places shared on the internet. Um, where it's a, it's a still from the show and he's talking to Colleen and he says, the hand are murderers and killers. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, they just like quit trying, yep. you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, that. Uh, they're also thieves and robbers. <laughs> they're also hot they're and They're villains and bad like, people? Yeah, like, it's just... So I also think like going off that too, there were so many like antagonists that it was hard to, I didn't understand how you can have so many characters and still be a boring show. Yeah. And I think that goes back to writing. It it 100%, 100% rises and falls on writing. And this show just totally missed the boat when it comes to that. And then they take Madame Gao out and replace her with Bakuda, which Bakuda was cool, but he was not Madame Gao. And yep. it just can't, like, I, I totally get, like, say, okay, a, an organization as big as a hand, there's going to be some infighting. That's cool. This is not the time nor the place, Marvel, to, to like, explain that. Except you had to have some things. reason that Colleen would be hand and not be the bad hand. Yeah. But why, right? I mean, I, that's, I'm going to steal it. Claire's line, but why couldn't they call themselves, like, the ear or the foot? <laughs> so. That was super funny. It was. Um, that was, like, her one really good line. And the one where she, like, completely mocks him for his, like, song choice, which is another, I mean, I guess we've gone into the bad now, but, like, Luke Cage was 100% melded with the music, and I was super excited because the RZA, who also loves martial arts, um, made that playlist that Danny has on that MP3 player. Yeah. Um, and it nothing is done with it. Like, there's no connection between Danny and the music. Like, in that scene where he's getting ragged on by Claire, he just says, oh, it's from when I was 10 years old. It's like, okay. Like, even in the scene where he's just listening to it, like, I'm guessing maybe remembering life or something, there's really no emotion on his face and there's no connection to this awesome playlist because I'm not saying that, like, rap or hip-hop can't mix with martial arts. No, it does. Go watch Samurai Champloo. Go watch Afro Samurai. Like, they can meld, especially with the beats and the movement. But none of that worked. Like, the fight scenes were off and all to the songs, he didn't have a, a a connection with the songs, or at least it wasn't brought out. And I was just kind of like, man, you, you did the Riz a bad here. Like, yeah, again, just compare that with something like Guardians of the Galaxy, or like you said, Luke Cage, yes. right? Um, where you still have the same thing. Hey, here's this mixtape from when I was a kid, but it, it's invested with so much emotional weight, and exactly. it makes the it makes the story better. Yeah. No, and, I completely agree. I hadn't even thought about Guardians, but that is a great example. Yeah, so I, we're running out of time, but we do we do need to talk a little bit about what this means for Defenders. So I, my assumption is that the search for Kunlun is now the plot of the first season of Defenders. That that's I, I'm in the boat. I'm pat. I'm like throwing out some water, but I'm in the boat with you. Like I don't know how it could be anything else. Like how do you 
I guess that could be Iron Fist season two, but then but Defenders, it doesn't make sense. Like, is he just gonna fly back to you, New York? Like, la di da, I can shirk my responsibilities again while my city's gone. Or it'll be like a, it'll be like a. Uh, okay, so I guess here's my let me let me talk this out a little bit and maybe maybe give us some hope that we'll get crushed <laughs> uh, when we're wrong. So so part of my part of my problem with the writing of the show is that Danny's whole thing is. Allegedly, I don't know where I fit. And I took on the mantle of the Iron Fist thinking that would solve my problems, but it didn't. And so I ran away. Like I I I um I I shirked my responsibility to protect the past to come lun. And because of that, now all of these like the all these monks got killed probably and the city's gone. So like that's an unresolved arc. Yeah. Right? So my assumption is that season two of Iron Fist will resolve that arc and God willing, give us a Danny Rand that's at all interesting and that knows what he's going to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they even had this whole thing. Like I didn't finish my training, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm so pay attention. Internet. I'm super over origin stories. Yeah. Everyone is right. But like, just give us the Iron Fist. Yeah. Um, we're okay. Like we'll forgive you. You can, you can, We'll even we'll even allow you one full episode flashback in episode seven. But of they didn't. 13. But they didn't even give us that. They didn't no. even give us an origin story. They no, gave us true. like the crappy middle part where he's finding himself. Yeah. So <laughs> so all that to say, if if Iron Fist season two is the end of his origin story, maybe Defenders is like out of chronology and it's just after because you know luke cage is still in prison um and we don't i mean jessica we assume that's that's the pi that joy hired right um but like whatever so i I would be fine if there if if defenders is set six months after all of this and danny's already saved kun lun you know what i mean I guess, but at the same time, too, like, so, like, the other problem is, is, like, if he goes off and saves Kun Lun, then he's not actually with the company, and the company is one of the main reasons that Luke Cage gets out of prison in the comics. Yeah. Um, And is kind of the only way I see him getting out of prison in the shows. Yeah. Um. So that, that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, how are we going to get Luke Cage out of prison? Because, I mean, you know, I, I even though figured, he could break out of it, he won't. <laughs> I just figured he would serve his time and get out. That is a lot of time, though, isn't yeah. it? Like, it's, yeah, you're right. I, I don't it's a, know. Like, he's gonna come out as old man Luke Cage, which I totally <laughs> be down for. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. Like, I I just this this had me way less excited for Defenders than I was. Yeah, and I was I was like I was conducting that hype tra- that hype train for Defenders yeah. all day long, and yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried now. I'm I'm hoping at least on the acting side. That Luke, that um, Mike Coulter, um, I know uh, Kristen Ritter and Charlie Cox can carry him through it. Um, yeah, but that's the. I mean, okay, so let's 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 deal with this. Do you see any reality where where Mike Coulter's Luke Cage and Finn Jones's Danny Rand are no even like. <laughs> Even, like, casual acquaintances. No, I don't. Not at all. And I actually, I got super excited because I put that on Twitter and Raphael Sadiq, who is one of my favorite, like, musical artists and also was featured in Luke Cage, liked it. Um, (laughs) Which is tacit approval. (laughs) Exactly. And, um, but no, I don't, I don't see that. I, I really can't see that at all. Um, 
which sucks because that that's their thing. And then they have Jessica there, and technically in the comics, they have a baby and name it after Danny. And, like, I don't see any of that coming to fruition, like, even in the no. slightest. I, I see Jessica punching him out because she's pissed with him. That's what I see happening. She's like, make up your mind, stop throwing a tantrum, and, like, throws him through a wall. That's yeah. what I see happening in Defenders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, any oh, final thought? On. Oh, yeah. please. One final thought. Uh, please. Daughters of the Dragon better happen <laughs> because you got an awesome Misty Knight. Doesn't need the robo arm. I'll, I'll, I'll do without the robo arm for but now. But we'll take it, right? We'll take yeah, the robo arm. But I will arm. take it. Um, and her with her and Colleen because uh, Colleen does introduce her fight under the name Daughter of the Dragon. So I'm like, hmm, I think this should happen. That That's my final thought. Please, Netflix. That's Please. awesome. Make it happen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, let. I hope that they don't make defenders in such a way that you need to watch Iron Fist. <gasps> oh, I didn't even think about that. Because that's, I mean, that's why I finished the show. Yeah. Yeah. No. Crap. So, I mean, we're fine. I'm just thinking about all of our listeners that were listening to this, so they didn't have to watch. Exactly. Oh, I didn't even think about that because then that's going to totally impact like how that show's perceived too if they just try to skip it and <laughs> it's canon in there. Oh my gosh. Well, stay tuned. Uh, and and Kate, if I'm not mistaken, but why though here in the next month or so is you're going to delve back into the whole Defenders universe, right? Yes. So I have been pushing, and it seems to have been accepted, that uh, we will be doing a Marvel Netflix universe episode uh, where we talk about all the juicy things that have happened in the four, well, I'm going to put three, in the three, uh, (laughs) the three series, um, and the fact that it's kind of revolutionized how we want our heroes. Um, Nice. So yeah, that that is a coming. I can't wait to hear that. you won't hear anything like that on Storyman for sure, because one of our co-hosts still hasn't watched Luke Cage, and oh, neither gosh. of them has watched Iron Fist. So, oh no, <laughs> no, 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 no! I know. I keep trying. I keep begging, but <laughs> anyway. Well, uh, I guess by way of uh, rounding out this episode, Kate, tell us where people could find you on the internet. Yeah, so you can find me at Oh My Mithrandir um, on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find my podcast at. But why though PC on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, that's our handle for everything. Um, and we're uh, but why though podcast.com. Nice. And I'm at JR Foresteros anywhere you want to find me Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you can't find me there, it's because I don't have the social media platform. <laughs> and probably the coolest thing I'm excited about uh, I have a book coming out in November. And so I started a weekly pop culture and kind of like spiritual reflection newsletter. Or just kind of like all the stuff I'm into this week. Uh, That's that awesome. Send, I send out on Fridays. Yeah. So it's just kind of like I do like TV show recommendations, uh, movie, what book I'm reading. And actually like so Iron Fist is the one that I'm putting out um, the same week, the same Friday this episode is going up. And uh, I'm actually going to say like, okay, so I wasn't super into this one. So it's not always just things I love. It's also things that like I went ahead and took a bullet and, you know. Uh, or took a dragon punch to the chest, I guess, in this case. <laughs> but um, I watched it, So may, and, 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 you know, sh- recommendations. So, uh, yeah, so I'm doing that. So I'll put a link to sign up to that in the show notes at storymen.us as well. But uh, this has been the first ever But Why Though Storymen podcast crossover. And it's super fun. Hopefully it's the first of many. Uh, 
Oh, so, I hope so. I think too. our co-hosts would all get along too. And and right? hopefully, oh, I, I think they would. And then once we can get all of them, it can be like one of those super mega events where like oh there's like gosh. five different like series coming into one thing over like a six <laughs> episode span. And like maybe the sun is in danger of going out. That's yes. why it all has to come together, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. Or like maybe my co-host Adrian like accidentally messed up the timeline and totally screwed everything up by like saving <laughs> his like childhood dog or something. Uh, perfect. Well, uh, until next time, please. Uh, the best way you can help podcasts you love is rating and reviewing them on iTunes or sharing them. So uh, please check out But Why Though if you're a Storyman listener. You already have met Kate a couple times now, so you know she's awesome. Her podcast is great. And hey, if you're a But Why Though person, uh, you might like some of the stuff we do over at the Storyman too. Yes, we just... you will. I can vouch. There you go. They're so... pretty cool. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Kate, as always, it's been a real treat. Thank you kindly. All right. We'll be back soon. Until then, be well. Life is a story we're all living in So now that you know the story you're in Just sit back and listen to the three story Sometimes there's a man Rather, sometimes there's some men. And I'm talking about the story men here. And I know what you're thinking. Those are some tall fellers. I don't know if that's three stories separately or three combined. Well, we're missing the point. Sometimes there's some men. And you want to know what these hombres are about? Well, I won't say they're heroes. They're just the men who are right for their time and place. These men, uh, lost my place. Well, I've probably introduced them enough, so just relax for a spell and bend your ear their way.